live from the apocalypse welcome to state of the game a podcast dedicated to helping you dress your gerbils in streetwear <laughs> we're here for you uh gerbil owners um just wanted to freak out first timers this is uh dan o uh, i am uh, a wrecking ball of fun you know i was under the weather my son said to me he said dad like your voice is scratchy you you have trouble talking and i said i can still talk baby <laughs> and uh and my wife said if he if he has trouble talking we're gonna call the national guard because that's that's <laughs> so that's just where i'm at in my life um my co-host kate diggy tell you a fun fact oh. when everybody's gone that's when he puts on R. Kelly and sings along. He, he keeps it a secret. You know, so I told you not to tell anyone about that, man. You're not. His body is. I trusted you with that oh, secret, yeah. man. Yep, yep. So, Trapped in the closet. That's it. That's it. You know. Um, so we are glad. I am so excited to have someone with us here today. K. Diggy, you remember I made an impassioned shout out. Mm -hmm. of Chong Wizard during our end of year 2021 show. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I will give you the context. Like basically it was during AJ Swade. I was talking about AJ Swade uh, and how much I love AJ Swade. And I said, what I want for him is to go to a place like Chong Wizard Records, Insubordinate Records, a place that could really just take care of all the other aspects. Right, um, and let him fly as free as he wants. Right, um, and I I really think of of Chong Wizard Records that way. Um, as a play, you get the best out of artists because of how much you're able to do to assist them. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. It's funny you mention him because I do like AJ Swade, and um, I had been considering reaching out to him about. Um, about putting something out even that recent album that he did but i noticed he had something going on with this other label fake four, yeah, fake four, and, fake four. and I, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes but i might reach out and just see what he's up to maybe try to like plan something with him whether it's me putting something out down the line or a collabo of some kind you know i i, I do like him i remember back i heard about him a while back because because benji uh socrates used to work with him he heavily Yep. And I, I remember Benji was my guy for a minute there. And um, I, I've, I've been knowing about him for a while, for sure. He's, yeah, no, and, and uh, he's, he's a great example of an artist. Like, the, there's these artists now that are kind of self-sustained. They put out lots of work. They put it out at a high level. Uh, but they're kind of like, you know, rolling like Sanjuro in those old Kurosawa movies, right? They're just, you know, nomadic samurai. Yeah. Uh, and with a support system, I just wonder how high those guys could fly, right? Like, and that's so, like, you, I guess it's kind of the difference between the system you have with Chris Crack and mm -hmm. someone like YL operating by himself, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, but it, it was going to start by asking K Diggy. So we mm -hmm. dug in to Chong Wizard Records. Mm -hmm. Legacy. We're talking label legacy here. What common characteristics did you come up with um, 
that, that you noticed that kind of went from album to album? What did you notice about the curation? I, I definitely liked the production. I think the production, it's very, I, it's, I, I can't quite describe it, but it's very like unique production. It feels very cinematic and very light at the same time. And almost like, because, you know, what I'll say is, you know, the, the common music, um, you know, the common palette that music is painting with nowadays is dark colors. You know what I mean? So when you hear something that's like airy or light or upbeat, it just feels a little bit different. It stands out a little bit more. And I think I think the Chong Wizard production is very, it's very, it's very light to me, very colorful, bright to me. I think bright's the right word to describe it. That makes sense. Yeah. The uh yeah. I had I had two things, Chong, as as what I'm thinking about as earmarks for this. Um so number one, uh the variation, right? The amount of different kinds of music that gets put out on Chong mm -hmm. Wizard records is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um you know, to go from you know, um uh, Midnight Suns with Zilla, which is just the, you know, the sinister, dark, heavy drums knocking thing to, you know, the colors I've never seen is yeah. an incredible shift, right? Um, so that a lot of people say they want variation, they want choices, but a lot of times they don't. A lot of labels are set up with a very tight shot group of things they do. They stick to it. Their fans stick to it. And it becomes their favorite spot for that, right? So to be as varied as the work is seems mm. like, a, like a pioneering situation in a way. Um, you uh, ever I will. Yeah, I think you guys are like very observant, like both of those, like, um takes are very like spot on because um one of the things with me is like i've got a lot of different tastes and i don't like one specific sound always i get bored of it and i like to play around and and i like different kinds of artists you know if like if you make a really good album it doesn't matter if it's like you know like hardcore gangster shit or like art rap or like instrumental or whatever like some pimp rap whatever you know whatever if it's a really good project really good album and i enjoy listening to it then i'm gonna try to put it out and um and with the other side of it the bright and kind of light stuff was i just was getting bogged down with all the like it's repetitive all the dark like the dark grimy like dreary beats where it's like slow and like everyone's yeah. gonna do like the wet the west side gun stuff the the mob deep sound the like just that dark new york sound and i, I like it you know when it's done right but it, when it becomes like everyone's doing it it just gets repetitive and i was just like like you said to stand out like i'm just pivoting and doing something different but i also that is me like the the soul the soulful stuff like the emotional stuff stuff to hit people in the heart and in the spirit like that's really what i'm about like like sometimes a lot of hip-hop albums are about 
how hard they can sound and and how lyrical they can get and I, i'm about making good music like good songs like I, I think that's like a skill that like people overlook when they talk about like how great like a lyricist is they don't really like talk about the like songwriting skill like mm. they're like you can make a simple song like an example that i always think of is ice cube good day oh that's not a lyrically complex song at all but it yeah. is masterpiece like a simplistic masterpiece where it all is just so perfect and it's just like you wouldn't think like oh like that's a lyrical but it is it's like the the, the simplicity and 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 that kind of stuff is like really interesting to me and like artists that really make creative stuff it doesn't have to be like super technical lyrical with me you know what i mean but i do respect both sides of the game but just finding that kind of balance of you know still making good music you know what i mean it's such a good thing to think of. ice cube is incredibly difficult to place amongst the all-time mcs because there's so many rappers who i can think of who would probably kill him on a song right like it, it says nothing bad about him. It's just his skill set was with the time and the resources, he, he'd make it better than you did. If you get in the time travel machine and you go back to whatever, like 1991 to 93, there's not a lot of guys that are going to just absolutely destroy him on a song. Like he was yeah. nowadays. Yeah. He's, he's moved <laughs> on. He's just like a, he's an actor, rapper, actor, but like, definitely i mean and i wasn't even saying like he's one of the all-time greats but even just like that kind of song like the complexity the simplicity like even yep. like the storytelling raps guys that were good at that it's 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 difficult they don't people don't yeah. get that enough credit like even slick rick like the children's story stuff like that those are masterpieces you know what i mean of right. lyrical skill you know what i mean it's a different type of pen skill you can say because both him and both him and pop started out as as poets yeah and then they transitioned in into rap. Yeah. And I think, you know, that poetry background really gave them, you know, a gift uh, for imagery, which really yeah. like it. So if you're if you're rap raps, uh, you know, like the technical aspect of your raps isn't going to be complex, then you got to be able to paint a, you know, a vivid picture with you know your basic rhymes schemes right yeah like tupac is a good example like he gets ragged on for not being a good lyricist but then you like listen to like the the passion and the emotion that his stuff evokes you know what i mean he had some really powerful messages oh. and powerful songs like shit that really like you know hit people in the heart oh, for sure. i mean like for sure like yep. he was uh he was special man yeah no and and, and you have good it was a good day when you're talking about like imagery you can have that like just think of the basketball descriptions oh my god uh. yeah <laughs> like it's you you could just see those you could just see yeah. it before you even watch you it see, uh, you see the whole thing those the, it's so Absolutely. simple but it just seems so like you it all fits together too nothing seems forced you know what i mean and the way it just plays out throughout the day like it's the perfect day you know <laughs> Yeah. And it seems like you're drawn to people that are like complete in that sense, right? Like, um, I don't know what's sticking in my head, but Lord Juco, White Walls, uh, just Juco is someone who can get his point across with very little space, very little time, right? 
Like, Juco doesn't need a lot of room to impress. <laughs> he's on. Lord Juco is incredible, man. Like, he's yeah. so good and, and just, like, <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to say. You know, it's like, like when we did that song, Honest, um, Oof. Honest Living Crooked Honest Killing. Honest Living Crooked Killing. I mean, you got Bully Woods starting off with like the most incredible verse. And then when Lord Juco ends it, it's just like, wow. Like you don't really like hear someone get on a track with Billy Woods and like arguably do something better than him. It's completely different though. Like when you hear his verse, the style and like, like Lord Juco comes with such passion at the end where he's just like fucking like almost yelling at a certain point where he's just like getting shit off of his chest. You know what I mean? Like you could feel the stress that he's like exuding, like just getting shit off of his chest. You know what I mean? No, and mm -hmm. by the time you get to the end of Honest Living Crooked Killing, it's one of the only songs where you're like, this couldn't have been what it is without Juco. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, it's whether you think yeah the better verse or or I mean, would they the better verse? The song isn't the song without Juco. Yeah, right? yeah. And also good exclamation point on the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> oftentimes Woods will move people off of songs. And yeah, it's, song. it's all you remember. Song. That song in general, though, I still like come up sometimes just think about it and just like it's just it's just a masterpiece. That song. I mean. I loved the whole Midnight Suns project, but that song sticks out to me. It's just really a special song. It's a, it's the centerpiece because it's a, it, it, and not to get weird and technical about it, but like <laughs> the violin is kind of living like on, on that album, right? I uh, forget who, what the lady's name Violinist, is. Um, I use her a lot, Katie Jacoby, and she's just incredible. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is about violins or strings. I mean, she's just so talented, but like, it's one of those things where if you listen to a lot of great songs, like emotional songs too, they use that to kind of like, and even in movies, like you, they'll use it to like, to evoke like certain emotions and stuff. You yeah. know I mean, like listening to some old Beatles and I was like, some of their best songs are when they started bringing in like the, the strings and the orchestra stuff, like on some of those songs, you know what I mean? So. Yep. Yeah. So if you, you the from what I've heard, the violin is like the most like vocal instrument. It's the one, it's the one that sounds or it emulates like the human voice the oh, most. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, when you have, because you had live drums on that as well, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was live drums. And that was the actual, like, because a lot of the album, I had just, I'd sample like J-Zone's drum breaks and, and repeat right. something together. But that one, we brought him in and he replayed the drums. He replayed about 45 seconds. And then I basically... I spent a long time like building like the 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 song really with the drums like the ebbs and the flows and the build-ups of the emotion of the song um because he gave me a lot of different pieces so it was nice to be able to piece it together and sequence it uh, how i wanted so it was yeah. nice okay j-zone is like a legend especially for his drumming yeah uh he's a mm. drummer and he's also, he was a rapper and producer, right? And and so he, but his his drums are so influential. Mighty Healthy's style, a lot of it is based around Jay Zone's drums. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So, um, I mean, when you're looking at like people that put out like drum kits or drum, like live drumming kits or like live drumming break records, he's, he makes such high quality product. It just sounds so good. And he gives you a lot of different options. You can either loop them, you can chop them up, you can do whatever. It's, it's a great resource for production. And I just, I think on that album, like the first track I made for that Midnight Suns, it had a breakbeat. It wasn't a, a J-Zone one. But then after that, I was like, I think I want to like focus on most of this being like break beats so it sounds like a live drummer so it sounds like a band and that's kind of why we went with j-zone direction oh so mm. the the so the first thing like i said the pure spread the buffet aspect right but the second thing i noticed was how thorough the curation is right and and i want to be specific about that because it's not i don't it, it sounds like a fancy way of me being like you're really good <laughs> so the um, the thing about it is if you go through all these albums there's not a there's every album cover is a 10 or a 9 out of 10 right it's the covers are amazing if you look at the track list right midnight suns nine songs concrete jungle eight songs right it, it uh, barksdale yeah, i think that's eight songs as well yeah. so there's no overstuffed projects, right? Uh, if everything is specifically designed, right? Uh, Blessing season, first six songs, incredible, you know, uh, compilation of different MCs working together over your beats. The next are, you know, are beats that you, that you put in as well. So that mixture is specific and it's curated. Uh, so that's how thorough you are with the business and how daring you are with the taste is what I think is, is so interesting. Yeah. And can you, can you give a background, like, can you give maybe some context to like, how do you curate an album or a project? Well, a lot of the times the projects are different. Like a lot of times, um, sometimes I'll just, I'll find an album that's out and like nobody has put out a physical version and i'll reach out to the artist and say like hey i want to put this out physically and we'll try to um work on whatever needs to be done to put it out like sometimes let's say with, with like with the obliv album that i put out he had some original cover art but it was like really low resolution so i was like we gotta we gotta redo the cover art and uh, I got PQ to just basically do uh, his style of what the original covers were, but in, in the PQ style. And I always like to do the variant covers because I learned that from comic books is how to sell more records and to give the fans different right. styles and variations for the collectors. Because a lot of times the collectors, if they love the album, they want every cover or they might not like the main cover and they want the other cover or they're just a collector and they want the rare, the rare limited um, variant. So that's, that's a little something I picked up from comic books <laughs> because a lot of times I like the variant covers myself for the comic books and I'll pick them up. So that was one thing I do. And um, I really love like art direction when, when I can work with an artist where I can be like, look, like I know what I, what, I can envision for this album visually like and then I try to bring it you know what I mean I'll find the right artist for the project 
and and make it happen you know what i mean and um sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't i, I like that you guys thought it it does all the time but it doesn't always like sometimes people don't like the covers but um i like to think that i i bring something different and unique because it's again like i want my label to stand out like i don't want to just blend in and be like just like everybody else you know I, I like if somebody's using like like the artists the same artists over and over again i avoid those artists like i don't want my album covers to all look the same mm. i don't want to look like everybody else's shit i want to stand out and i want to do different stuff and be original and it's tough sometimes because a lot of times the vinyl buying community <laughs> they want a certain thing and if i'm not giving them a certain thing the records don't sell and it can be frustrating because i know the album's amazing but a lot of times people are so like tunnel visioned of like i only want street shit i only want that hard shit and i and i and i joke like i don't have enough ski masks or guns on my album covers you know what i mean that's <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah yeah no it, but you're the thing about your covers that i was thinking about how important PQ has been, right? In terms of spirit medicine, in terms of Midas the Beast and, and mm -hmm. that amazing work there. But like, he's a really good symbol of what the label is, right? When we talked to PQ, he said, I don't really work with negative space a lot. You know, I, I fill the space. Yeah. Um, and it's very kinetic, right? It's very actualized. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's what the covers are, and that's what the albums are, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they're bright, textured, you know, pop, and, and and that's that's what this is meant to do. It's meant to pop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you want to get people's attention because a lot of times the first thing they're going to see before they even hear the album is they're going to see the album cover. You want to grab their attention, right? So, I definitely want something unique, and that goes back. To, you know what I mean when you walk into a record store before it was all online and sometimes you just you have to check stuff out based on the album cover you know what I mean like it's important yeah. you have obviously the music is, is first and foremost if you don't have a good album then why even put it out or, or spend money on a good cover but like once the out once the music's good you got to make sure the cover is good too unless like I mean some of these more established acts i feel like they can get away with just like slapping any old thing on the cover and they're still gonna sell because they've got built-in fan base but right. I, I always just you know i always try to make a high quality product you know i'm not trying to like make a fast buck on people but mm. yep. I, don't, I, don't I always i don't always get to pick the cover sometimes the artists are like this is the cover i want this is how it's going to be and so it's like with me it's like maybe i get to do, to do the art direction on the ob strip or something or the or only the test press variant you know what i mean so oh yeah shout out to styles p and havoc put out an album last year uh that had one of the worst album covers you could imagine <laughs> uh wreckage manor is that what it's called oof oof uh but yeah major major label artists get away with that stuff um but yeah it's and, and you, there's been such an interesting history so the other thread here we're talking about the label high level curation at the label but we're also talking about you because 
you are at a literal high point for your production as a producer. Thank you. Right to go yeah. to go from you know Midnight Suns to Blessing Season to to the colors I've never seen. I mean, I I think the colors I've never seen is the best EP of 2021, 2022. Oh. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> Like, I think I told you earlier, like, literally, like, I haven't gotten, like, barely any feedback on that. Like, Nate said some of his friends loved it or whatever, but, like, I haven't heard anything, you know what I mean? So, it's, like, one of those things that can be frustrating. It's, like, I went out on a limb, did something different with an artist that nobody's really heard of, and it's R&B, it's not rap, it's not, yeah. like, hardcore, you know what I mean? It's not even typical R&B, it's kind of, like, a unique R&B mm -hmm. album, so... Yeah, can you talk about the talk about the origination of this project? Because it is uh, unique. Um, the origination is um, how I met Nate Barksdale was he's down with Chris Crack, and they're both from Chicago. And he uh, he was on a song on Thanks Uncle Trill, and I was also on Thanks Uncle Trill. I we I was on it. I produced a different song, and then later on, a couple albums later, I ended up producing this song called Outdated Cosines by Chris Crack, and Nate Barksdale was on that, and he kind of sang this, like, outro hook, and it was just amazing, and I was like, wow, like, this Nate Barksdale guy, wow, like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> and then I got him on, uh, I got him on one of the Infinity Stones, one of the last ones, uh, he was on a track with um, Terminology and um, Rim and um, Chris Crack, he did the hook on that one. And then when I was working on Blessing Season, I did that song with Noel and the Ninja. And I couldn't find another rapper to want to rap on that track. Like nobody, like I sent it to like everybody and nobody else wanted to get on that track. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> like, so I, I, I hollered at Nate and he did the hook and I figured, all right, maybe I'll get somebody else on the second verse after that. Nobody would get on it. So I was like, all right, I guess it's just one verse from, from, uh, Nolan the Ninja. And then the long kind of, it's almost like a hook slash verse from, uh, Nate Barksdale on that joint. And yep. it was dope. And I was gonna get him on more tracks on blessing season. And then I think it was just like, I was like, you know what, let's just do uh, do our own album, you know what I mean? And so I just started sending him beats, and um, he was killing them, you know what I mean? So he killed them, and then he kind of really was the driving force behind that project. I'm going to give uh, props to Nate Barksdale. Like, I did the beats, but he really, like, was the man behind the whole vision of it. Like, he basically found the guy who did kind of like the art but then he also did the like the layout the graphic layout Nate did and then Nate mixed and mastered it he named the songs he arranged the songs he uh he basically curated the whole thing and I just I made the beats and I kind of just stayed out of his way because there we had we definitely had an argument over the mixing and mastering at one point where I wanted to like get a professional engineer to do it. And he was just like, no, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's good enough. Let's just put it out. Like, and I was like, okay, like, sure. <laughs> it's dope. You know what I mean? It's, it was one of those things where I, I, I was like, you know what, let's not overthink this and let's not like just pour a ton of money into this. Like it's a D right. DYI, it's a do it yourself project. And you know, if it gets to the point where it's popular enough down the line, if we need to like, have it remixed and remastered for a pressing or something we can but it sounds good to the year so oh i think it sounds great yeah, yeah. no so. and i think 
that okay the run on this to me is three through six right like that's like the heart of it friday i think friday is like a perfect song um you know you talk he goes these days weeks like wednesday's the day i i start asking when is it friday it's just, it's a beautiful song it's perfect in, in that it almost perfectly written in almost like a bill withers type of way <laughs> yeah I mean, man it's it's, like, it's damn, this is just timeless fucking shit like this is an all time yeah. <laughs> that's one of those songs where he like it's very it's like a simple concept but he just kills it you know what i mean and yes. it, it is perfect it's just like the, the wheat and you know like anyone who who's worked a nine to five or works a nine to five can feel it because you know you're getting to that point throughout the week where you just you know what i mean by the time friday friday comes you're so happy it's friday and you know you go through those you know what i mean go yep. through the week like that you know what i mean it's great and then so yeah you go from friday to money bag emoji to sunday mm -hmm. and then feed in the sand which is a totally different pace yeah and just kind of it's it's more of a of a flow, like more of a rap flow kind of thing. Um, yeah. He he does it. It's it's really impressive. And then, yeah, what you ratchet it up, and then by the yeah, time of the last song, it's exhaling. You know, you're, you're uh, yeah, yeah. That's like if you, <laughs> it's funny if you would listen to the the demo version of the album compared to what the album was once it was arranged and mixed. It's completely different. Like. That like that like Nate really did like on that last song. I love that last song. That's my favorite. The air up the here. Air up here. Nate yeah, that's my really, favorite too. Nate really did like a lot of work on or sequencing or arranging that track. Because originally, like the version that I originally did, it comes with drums like right at the beginning and the whole way throughout. And the way he did it, it's just so it builds like the whole way yes. till the end of the track. Like, yep. and he play, he played the bass on that. Nate did and um it, it was flavor and we also got that violinist on that one too katie jacoby played yep. the violin on that yeah one. so i was gonna yeah. say because that's the the arab here was the one that stood out to me it didn't seem it didn't feel like the other tracks something felt unique about the era up here yeah that one was definitely a special track to me like i listened to that one a lot and i'm like wow that feels like it feels almost like some con like early Kanye shit when he was just doing some of that magical stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just it has that kind of build to it. I don't know. It was that's a special track, man. Like Nate, props to Nate Barksdale on like the vision for that song because it could have been a completely different sounding song. But mm. and he also has these. A part of it is the how unique the melodies are right? Mm -hmm. Like, you can hear the melody for the air up there in your head once you've heard it. You know, you can, because it's it's such a unique movement, right? And it's, like, so the songwriting and the movement, it's, I don't know, it's so beautiful together um, that I, I just, I, I think the world of that project and uh, I feel I, lucky. I feel lucky. I feel, I feel blessed to have even been able to do that project because I just feel like I feel like Nate's one of those guys that is, he's bound to get discovered or whether he does or doesn't, I feel like I'm just lucky to have made that project because it's special. And like, he could be doing like, he could, he's just as good as any of those big name R&B cats. Like he's just as good as The Weeknd. 
just as good as Frank Ocean, just as good as Anderson Pack. Like he could be the next one of those guys. And I'm just honored to uh, have been able to do a project for them. We've got cassette tapes coming for that one. I'm hoping, I really hope that the buzz builds on that one. I'm trying to figure out how we can build the buzz on that one to maybe be able to do vinyl because I just love the project so much. But the thing is, is like, you got to have people that want to buy the vinyl and I, I just don't see how, how no, nobody's excited about that project because I am and you are obviously. So I think it could just be a matter of just breaking through and getting people to actually give the album a chance and listen to it. Sometimes people like, oh, I've never heard of this guy. I won't listen to it. Or I don't right. like the I won't listen to it. Or like, I don't like the album cover. I won't listen to it. So I don't know what it's going to take to get people to listen to that album. But like, it's a great album. I feel like and there's so, the other thing that I, was funny around the time that dropped, there was all this like people like dying for the new like Anderson Pack and knowledge. Right, right. Like, it's like this could hold you over. This is a similar vein. It's different, but it's like rap producer with a singer, and it's kind of that mix of like hip hop, soul, and R and B. And you could, get, yeah. you know, right? it's it's in that vein. You know what I mean? So I think people really like it if they give it a chance. So yeah, no, it, it's. I don't know. I feel like there's some people that are indie hip hop heads that aren't necessarily soul heads, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I've always been like a soul R&B first guy. So a great R&B album gets me really excited. Uh, that's, and that's, well, but it, it's the other one that I was still, when the bar still came out, I was still digesting concrete jungle. With curious, um, that that is kind of a beautiful slow burn of a project, and it's eight songs, but it still feels there's a lot to unpack it. There's a lot of really dope, mature shit going on in the album. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, man. So, um, how did that come up? That was that was an interesting project because. Um, what had happened was um, my man, Jordan, Jordan Commander, who's my homie, um, he was working on this Planet Asia album that he was executive producing. He was he was getting all the beats for it and the features, and I was going to come out on my label. And he's like, yo, I got, I got, you wouldn't believe this. I got curious to do a verse for this fucking Planet Asia album. And I was like, curious, like that's fucking out of left field like no one like where'd you find him you know what I mean? and right. when, he played, when he played me the verse I was like oh my god like I was like a lot of times those vets you ain't heard from in like a few decades they're washed you know what I mean no right. disrespect right. but a lot of times guys that aren't putting stuff out get rusty or they aren't up with the times but he sounded like better than ever I was like this sounds like amazing like this is just fucking like he's sharp razor sharp like he is he's in shape he's in lyrical fitness you know what I mean he's in yep. a high bar of, of lyrical fitness right here and um so I was like you know what I'm like let's just do an album with curious like I'm like holler at him and see if he's down to do an album and um, originally it was supposed to be me and Rodata each producing half of it. And then at the time, like I was really, it was when we first started talking about it, it was like December, 2020. And um, 
by the time we actually decided to officially do it, it was January 2021 and Doom, the news of Doom's passing had come out and I was like, let's do this. You know what I mean? Like Curious is definitely going to have some things to say about that. Like he, you know, he's going to be inspired. And at the time, like that January, February and like March, I think of that year, I was like, like putting something out like every week so I was just like so in my like executive like I'm running a label kind of mode and Rodata just started like knocking out beat after beat after beat and um Jordan just kept sending all the beats to fucking Curious and Curious just like kept recording on all of them I'm like hold on like I'm like hold on here I was supposed to produce half of this album damn it <laughs> and so like by March I send him like two really dope beats and he ended up recording on one and that was the uh the joint with homeboy sandman that's the one i produced okay okay so that was the uh, dusty roads joint that's awesome no uh, it's uh that's that's great because yeah you you have great taste in um uh, in hip-hop in the sense of like you really love the legends that are like off to the side legends yeah and so you're like you're, you're the person who has these kind of all the heroes that people might forget about, you know, yeah. uh, perfect to have Curious come up. Yeah, and yeah. there's things where it's like, <laughs> nobody else is going to do this. I got to do this because I can. And, and then the other part of it was like, how can we make this a success? And that was when I had to really like put on my art director hat and um come up with the ideas for the covers and the packaging and everything mm -hmm. i came up with like i found the artist who did the graffiti one that was like an italian graffiti artist opium and then dan evans from the uk he did the uh the rampage video game flip and then the homie jordan found this other cat that had never like done any uh like album covers before he did the like the third one like the baboon one this cat laz and it was a really sick cover and then the packaging and everything i had to come up with the ideas for that and the whole like um like the cassette tape blew up like the initial like nintendo controller nes cassette tape like that was my idea and it just like it was fucked up because i thought i had ordered 100 but i only ordered 50 and the 50 just sold out like that and i was like fuck like <laughs> so we ended up we had the two other covers so i just we just put out the other uh covers on cassette as well and the vinyl is pre-order still it's coming though but people are really loving that album because there's a lot of like boom bap heads that they love everything old school and i was a little bit worried because a lot of times those guys only want the reissues of classic albums like they don't want like the new music from the legends but sure. the curious was so good and so sharp on the mic and the album actually did have like a 90s vibe production wise like rodata did a, did a good job of making it that jazzy like um yeah. sound and uh it, it worked out and i think curious you could tell on a lot of those tracks that like because of the passing of doom and how close they were like he really um like he was saying like he felt like doom was in the room when he was writing the songs and he was just saying like he was having no problem writing it was just like he'd do like two songs in a row some days like just like so it was I, you listen to it and you can tell you know you can tell like that he was definitely had doom on his mind when he made that project mm. driven driven yeah 
was gonna say, I, I'm interested to hear what was what is your musical background like? What was your path to where you're at now? Um, my musical background was basically just growing up in the '90s. I listened to like mad hip hop and. Um, mm -hmm eventually um like i always made pause tapes and was just like super head like growing up and then i was like i wanted i want to dj like because i had some one of my homies had turntables and i had like played around i was like man yeah this is this is like you know what i mean this is how you make real mixtapes you know what i mean you need turntables to make the real mixtapes you know what I mean? right. you can't just do the pause tapes so got turntables like towards the very end of high school and then um i moved uh i moved down to cali to live with my dad for a while and i basically just lived at his house i had a part-time job and just learned to dj on the side and i would dj house parties on the weekend and clubs and just kept getting better at it and, and at the same time i was learning how to make beats because they kind of go hand in hand djing and making beats because you're you're sampling records, mixing records, and it's a lot of times mixing, you start off, like, some of my early beats is, like, you just, you find a drum loop, and you can just, like, mix, like, uh, an old record over top of it, you know what I mean, and then you start to learn the production techniques from there, and um, I end up moving back to Canada, and when I moved back to Canada, um, the first people I met was the first rap crew I met was the homies 108 and they were um it was like Rodata was the producer for that crew and like Jordan was in the crew and like my homie John Rex and we just started making music like all the all the time and I was I was still pretty amateur at like making beats but I just kept working on it and kept experimenting and at a certain point <clears throat> I took a break kind of from the focus on beats and I really went into the mixtape game this was like I think by 2004, I had just like dove right back into just mixtapes. And I did that until about, I still make beats, but like until about 2010, 2011, I was just heavy in the mixtape game. And I really made a name for myself as a DJ, uh, mixtape DJ. So I was really good at doing um, blends, like these blend concept nice. blends. Like my big one that really put me on the map was my American Iron Man one, which was uh, Jay-Z um, versus Ghostface. It was like me blending Jay-Z's American Gangster acapellas over Ghostface's uh, Iron Man instrumentals. So, Oh, wow. That was like, <laughs> I mean, it was considered at the time like a, a mixtape masterpiece and it, it went viral and I was on like all the websites and um, that really launched me. Um, I had done some stuff before that, but like a lot of people really didn't know about me until then. And um, I did some other like big mixtapes. Like I did a follow up to that one, which was similar. It was um, like a Mob Deep versus Raekwon blend tape where it was like Mob Deep on top of the uh, Cuban Link instrumentals and um, Raekwon over the Hell on Earth instrumentals. So it was, those were dope. Those really helped put my name out there. And then I did like this like compilation which was uh, a big one was this a tribe called quest tribute compilation mm. in like 2010 where i got like tons of underground hip-hop artists to make tributes to a tribe called quest mm. that one was big because i had like dell on that dell from hyro did a did a joint um like the whole lessendary crew did a whole posse cut like it was like the first time i think they'd all been on the same song together like everybody the whole crew um 
and Mocha Only was all over that project. Um, he did a song with Booty Brown from the far side on that. And then I had tons of other, like, just the homies, like, underground homies and shit. So that was another big one that I did. And then after that, I kind of, um, I slowed down, um, met my wife and kind of, like, got a job. And I was busy kind of just doing the regular life thing, you know what I mean? Getting my, uh, getting my life together. And I was still making beats, but I wasn't really, like, putting out projects or anything. And... I think by like 2015, I started to kind of get the itch again. And I think I had put out, put out a couple things that kind of were like in the vault. And then I didn't really start getting back to work heavily into it until 2017, where I, I, uh, I did that Star Wars mixtape. And that was kind of my trajectory. Like transition into the new underground because half of that project was all my old homies from like all the old mixtape era. I had gotten mad of those guys involved, and then a lot of the new guys from the new wave were involved, and it kind of came together. And then I, when I did that, I was like, okay. After that, I just went straight into all the new wave guys and kind of left a lot of most of the old homies kind of behind because they just weren't really doing what the new sound was, and. Um, that's when I did the Infinity Stones, and that kind of, again, was more me doing the executive producer slash art director kind of thing, where I only produced a couple tracks on that, but it, it blew up. You guys know about it. You guys know how the Infinity Stones was just yeah. phenomenal. Well, it was huge. Well, that's the wild part about, because what year was the Infinity Stones? The first one, the first Infinity Stone was the Power Stone, and that was the summer of 2018. And that thing had like <laughs> had some heavy hitters on it. Like Rome Streets was on that before anybody even knew who he was. You know what I mean? Like that was the one that has <laughs> like it's so funny going back to it because it had this one. The big song was was uh, Ankle John, Vic Spencer, and uh, Chris Crack with Tattoo Gold producing, and and it was like <laughs> that song. Like it, it was such a big big collabo, and I feel like it really just ended up kind of it felt like the catalyst for that whole beef exploding where like i don't know what happened like they all came together and shit at the fan and then it all fucking you know what i mean i don't know man it was crazy but that i got some special tracks off on that like that also had the um that league of extraordinary gentlemen track with all like like i got like five of the illest like uk mcs on that one which was a really right right no, you that was what was. Lord cool. Juco was also on that on that album, and, and no, again, nobody had heard of him at that point. That was 2018 in summer. So, you go back, you go back and look. A lot of those guys didn't have have many projects out, and if they did, they had like no next to no notoriety. So, yeah, and some wrecking crew people on there as well. Uh, oh, yeah, they. I didn't get those guys on until later on, towards the end. But I mean, but towards, I mean, the thing about the Infinity Stones. This was way before people were doing like rap comic book stuff albums. Yeah. And this was like a you know, each EP was a stone in the infinity gauntlet. And you could go from Lord Juco rapping about comic books to open Mike Eagle rapping about comic books. Yeah. And it was like it was incredible to hear like all these great MCs in the same place, but also how many of your favorite MCs had an encyclopedic knowledge of comic books? Yeah, it was crazy. Like, um, I mean, 
a lot of the times the guys you know i mean they wouldn't know anything about comic books they just know the movies but some of the guys were just like i mean craig g on that joint he started just yes. wrapping the whole secret he did like the whole secret wars comic book in a verse so it was crazy like talking about playing <laughs> the conqueror back then you know what I mean? it was just like it's amazing it's tight yeah no it was it was real and and the curation stood out there because you had the mixture of people was just so interesting you know like yeah. i still get that listening to you where i was listening to blessing season i was like fucking sunny jim and juggernaut like that's perfect yeah, I mean, those guys have done stuff before together, but they just sound great together because they're friends in real life, too, you know what I mean? So it's like they nice. just, they just complement each other so well. And um, I think I was originally going to get Fiba on that with Sunny Jim, but then Fiba just kind of ghosted me, and so I was like, I'll just get a Juggernaut on it. And I like how it turned out because Juggernaut, like he brought a completely different flow than Sunny Jim on that one. He was just like, like Sunny Jim was like the laid back, like slow flow and like... Yep like juggernaut was very rhythmic and like just like super complex with the like wordplay it was like a very uh, interesting contrast between the two they're both in very different flow spaces right from yeah. rock to the you know smoke-filled rooms very different yeah. vibes uh that's awesome no, it, yeah, and, and like you touched on like i like to get like either unique combinations or just unique guys that might not be like the main feature on everybody's project that year you know like blessing season a lot of those guys nobody uses like you don't hear nolan the ninja on like anybody else's stuff um who else nicholas f you rarely hear him on wow. anything else. wow love nicholas f Love yeah, that track, track that track on blessing season i mean oh my god like yeah. <laughs> when he sent that back to me i was just like just jaw dropped at how great that like verse it's almost like i mean i guess you could say it's two verses but it just feels like one long verse because he takes a little like breath pause in between but like it was just like masterpiece you know what i mean i just feel like mixed like he like nicholas f is a mixtape hall of fame right okay. like he is some of those mixtape hall of famers their legacy didn't survive like you want because that stuff is still on dread that piff like in 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 a holding pattern right yeah. but um the run he had uh you know it's weird like I, I swear like i must i don't know i don't know if i missed his his mixtape run or if i don't remember it but it's weird because i was a mixtape guy and it's weird that we both had two different like mixtape runs whereas like he was probably obviously doing the artist style mixtapes but yep. i was doing like the blend tape dj so it was weird because in that my my boys and i uh the rap mullet guys which were mixtape reviewers from back in the day they randomly popped back out of nowhere and reviewed blessing season and they mentioned remembering nicholas f from the mixtape era and i was like really i don't remember him from the mixtape era like i feel like i need to go back and hear all of his old stuff now i'm familiar with more of his like newer stuff from the last few years yeah look at vices with the tissues stuck in his nose yeah. uh vices is perfect okay uh perfect and so but yes he a hall of famer i, I yeah i would give anything to talk to nicholas f but i was he him popping up always makes me happy um and but yeah, there's so many variants. We'd have to talk. I think, I think you put out the best Zilla album ever, Midnight Suns. Thank and you. I, I think you put out the most listenable Zilla album in Vegas Vic. Yeah, I really, 
I mean, <laughs> that was a really well put together um, sounding project, um, Vegas Vic. Like I felt like, well, I felt like Midnight Suns was more cinematic and technically it might've been like the more like epic album. Like Vegas Vic really felt like he was at home and comfortable like throughout the whole album. Like he was really in his bag, you know what I mean? On that one, he felt comfortable. You know what I mean? And it just suited him a little bit more. Like with Midnight Suns, I was really like aiming for a specific, like I was scoring a movie. I've said it before, like I was scoring the Midnight Suns movie. So it had to be, had to be dark and it had to have a certain sound. And um, I think it, I, I agree with you on both of those. Like, I think that Midnight Suns is probably his best album from an epic standpoint, but Vegas Vic is, might be the more like listener friendly one. Yeah, I, I was, at times I was in disbelief that other people were as nerdy as I am, right? Like when I saw that the song was called The Grey Ghost, yeah. I was like, there's no way they're talking about the Adam West episode of Batman the Animated Series. There's no way. There has that to was... be some other baseball player or something. That was all Zilla, man. That was all Zilla. Give Zilla credit on that one. You know what I mean? That was all him. I didn't know he was talking about it first, and then he told me, and I was I had to look it up, and I was like, "Damn, that's it's legendary! Oh. It's legendary!" Yeah. Right uh, but, uh, what would you say? Like, describe the process between you and Zilla, because you guys seem to have like a chemistry, musical chemistry. Like, it's well, kind of expand on that that relationship a little bit for me. It's it's tough with any like like you know, I call them internet friendships, and they're very it's difficult like collabing strictly on the internet because I mean, you can get to know people through like the video chats and, and like phone conversations and stuff, but it can be difficult to like develop that chemistry. But I think with me and Zilla, we're very like similar in certain aspects, like people wise, like age wise, I'm a little bit older than him a couple of years, but like we definitely have a lot of similar tastes. Like we both really love that Iron Man album by Ghostface. So I think right. both of us, it's like both of our favorites, you know what I mean? And just similar stuff. We both loved Moon Knight. You know what I mean? Like a random char character. We just have similar tastes in a lot of hip hop and movies, TV shows. Just, I feel like even though we are our own people, we're definitely, we definitely, there's, there's definitely differences in our personality, but I think there's a lot of similarities and that kind of made it um, what worked for us. Cause I think sound wise, music wise, we definitely have a lot of the same tastes and that kind of helped, you know what I mean? I think that kind of just made it more natural. Like if I'm making beats that I like and that he likes, then it's it's kind of a natural vibe. And I'm also pretty experienced with just listening to hip hop and making hip hop where I could like zone in on, on an MC like Zilla and be like, okay, like this is what I need to bring to the table for him. I think he's gonna really sound good on this and he might not, this might not be the exact sound that he always is on, but I think he would sound great on this, like the sound of his voice, his attitude, like is gonna sound great on this. And that's kind of beyond just trying to make a dark soundtrack. I also wanted to make it so it's like Zillaraka will really sound good on these, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I think because on, on Midnight Suns too, it wasn't like I'm just gonna send you a random beat pack. It was like almost like there was very few rejected beats, and I didn't send them like a lot. It was like, okay, I've worked really hard on this beat that is perfect for what we're going for, and he would be like, "Yep." Yeah. Sometimes, occasionally, he'd be like, "No," but it was like mostly like 
just a certain amount of beats sent to him like made specifically for the project where with other rappers it could be different like i'll just send you know like chris crack i'll make like three or four beats be like okay here's three or four new beats i made like hopefully uh they're the vibe you you know what i mean you're going for but and it seems like there's another thing you might share with zilla is in zilla there is a practicality within how he operates that that is like religious like it is it is a part of his belief system like he he doesn't want to overcomplicate things or or make the wrong move he's always nuts and bolts putting it together right and it seems like you may have that in common from a business standpoint yeah we definitely like we're both business minded and we definitely a lot of times when we would talk it'd be like definitely like mostly business stuff as far as like you know just the whole planning and the release and like the marketing and what we're gonna do and like products and all that stuff it's just you know i mean we're from that same similar era and uh, similar tastes and we're just similar outlook and stuff you know what i mean um and he's like we're both students of the game like we both like i think we've both done hip-hop journalism at times too where like we you know like he's done it i've done it you know what i mean i think that can give you perspective too you know what i mean and and knowledge too so we're both knowledgeable and experienced dudes like we're both like i'm i think i'm 41 and i think he's like i want to say 38 or something like that so like we're up there and we're experienced you know what i mean we're with nate barksdale totally totally on other end of the spectrum he's 26 (laughs) I'm 41, so it's like that's totally a unique combination where it's like you see how the sound is is so much different. He's, you know, I mean, he's probably grown up on so much different stuff than me musically. Um, from you know what I mean, what I'm into to what he's into. So it's it's, it's interesting working with different people. With Zilla, like I said, because since we're such we have such similar similar tastes and stuff it was easy uh i think personality wise too we're both pretty easy going guys you know what I mean? we're not like overbearing like um dudes like sometimes i do like to be in control of a project but like zilla was you know he knows the shit so it was easy to work with him right yeah. and and the merch run for both of those projects is definitely something to study right uh okay you can't tell from looking but the hat he's wearing is fuzzy it is fuzzy you can stroke it uh (laughs) my hat is fuzzy i have the same hat so and he he put out uh hoodies and the ob strip was on the sleeve this kind of strip that you would see on the on the the vinyl yeah yeah vinyl yeah so and with vegas vic he put out playing cards like a deck of playing cards uh, that had that was, that was the, the the merch for for Vegas Vic was all Zilla so I'll give him his credit on doing that but definitely with with Midnight Suns I <laughs> I wanted to aim high and I wanted to do unique stuff where it was like honestly some of that stuff cost us profits because it was expensive to make you know what I mean but it was like like we were the first you know what I mean like no, to this day I've never seen anybody else do an OB strip on the sleeve of the hoodie um 
I, I, I've seen some other like small labels do the Ebbets Fields hats now after us, but we, nobody, I didn't see anybody do Ebbets Fields fucking wool hats with the fucking like leather adjustable strap. And those were like super high quality. And you know I mean, like people usually will just do the fitted, like the cheap fitteds from China that are like easy to, it's easy to make money off of. These weren't necessarily easy to make money off of because the price point when you do high quality stuff you've got to charge a lot and the average consumer is like why is this product so expensive like because they're used to getting mass-produced stuff and that brings yeah. the, the cost so sometimes when you do these things it's it's difficult because you you want to bring that high level quality but you've got a small fan base so you can only do small runs so it's it's a tough juggling act of making sure you make something that people want to buy and will spend the amount of money you need them to you know what i mean like me and zilla probably could have made a lot more money on that project had we not done like the hats and the hoodies and stuff some of those ended up costing us in the long run but i, I love them like i'm still rocking like i'm rocking the hat right now and it's a high quality hat <laughs> love the hat so it was worth it to me because it was just like we did it you know what i mean like sometimes right. you do it to do it like it you know as much as like money matters when you're trying to run a business sometimes doing going that extra mile of just standing out and doing something high quality and just like doing something mm -hmm. done matters i mean it's a calculated risk and it seems like what you've been able to weave into chong records is that like while you are trying to serve a fan base you don't bow to the fan base, right? You will still do what you think is the thing to do um, and accept that it may work out or not, but you're not going to give up on the calculated risk end because once you lose that, mm -hmm. then you're only doing meat, potatoes, meat, potatoes, all yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. And you're not, you're not fe feeling creative. You, edited the creative out of your business i think when i first started it that was my main thing was just like if i won't buy the product i'm not going to make it you know what i mean so it's like i'm always trying to like aim to impress myself because i feel like i'm pretty critical and i have really high standards when it comes to like just everything you know what i mean art in general like whether it's music tv movies fashion like i've got tastes and i know like quality i'm <laughs> i've been around I, i've been a consumer my whole life you know you you buy things you know what you're happy with and you know what you you want to spend money on so i try to use that life experience for my own thing sometimes it works out where it's like yeah like i wanted it so other people with similar tastes to me also wanted it and it worked out sometimes it doesn't you know what i mean right yeah, yeah. no that's i mean it's it, Kate, when you were going through this back catalog, what what stood out for you from, from the Chong Wizard projects that, that you really took to? I mean, I really loved uh, let me get let me make sure I have the right one. Blessing season. Blessing season. Blessing season was the one that really stood out to me. Uh, oh, ooh, I love the cover. I love the cover so much. Yeah. Oh, the covers. So That's the hoodies. I just got them. I mean. That's awesome. I wish that I had been able to do a bunch of them, but I only printed as many that were ordered. I did like a sh I did like a pre-order only and only printed as many. But yeah, they turned out fresh, and I really love the art on that one. And 
that blessing season was just me doing me. That was like, you want to know what I like, what I, from, from the heart, from me, that just felt like a me project. Like I'm not trying to do a specific sound. I'm doing the sound that I like. And that was just soul loops, soul chops, you know what I mean? Stuff that, stuff to hit people in the heart, stuff that just different emotions too. Like not just like sad songs or, or anything. There was some like happy songs and some triumphant songs on there. I just didn't want to do anything like angry on there. You know what I mean? It wasn't like an angry uh, album. You know what I mean? It was definitely like kind of like a a soundtrack to life. I'd like to say, like, I think like each song, like you could, I could think of different parts of my life where this, those songs like would reflect a different like era. You know what I mean? So when, when you're creating a project, do you start out with an intention or do you just start out creating and kind of see where the, you know, the energy or the wave takes you? Yeah, sometimes you just kind of like, because like I, for me, and I think a lot of creators, you're just constantly creating. And sometimes you'll get like a beat or a song made and it'll kind of lead you to the, pro- lead you to the project. Like with Midnight Suns, it kind of, we lucked out. We weren't even planning on doing an album together. We just did that one song, Mark Spector's theme. And it was so good. I was originally, it was just going to be one song on the Infinity Stones, but I was like, man, this song is just so good. We got to do a whole album, man. And I had no intention of like going into that song. I didn't think like, I didn't think it was going to be great. I just had no expectations. I was just like, you know, I made this beat like, and that led to the project. With Blessing Season, I had been working, like I love making soul beats and that's usually what I send Chris Crack. And a lot of times he's very picky. So he'll take a very small percentage of the beats that I send him. And I just had a lot piling up and I wanted to do a project with like soul beats that I had. And um, they started just collecting. And then I started getting features. Like I was working on blessing season as far back as like 2019 like summer 2019 oh, wow. i think when we were working on midnight Sun. so it was just but it was kind of on the back burner not that it was going to be any less special than than midnight suns but it was just kind of like i'll get the features when i can get them because it's tough when you're doing a producer compilation thing where you have to get all these features because whether you're getting the verses free or whether you're paying for them it can always be difficult you know what i mean trying to budget for that and get quality you know what i mean because a lot of times dope rappers cost money you know what i mean unless you're personally friends with them if you're like if you're producing for them free beats they'll do free verses but a lot of times if it's just guys they don't know who you are like or even if they do know you, if, like, if you're not really like tightly affiliated with them, you're going to have to pay for the verses, right? So that was just me kind of like chipping away at Blessing Season slowly until I got like a core number of songs. And then I had the rest of the beats that I wanted and, and how that ended up only being like half MCs, half um, instrumentals was nobody wanted to rap on those other those other beats the second half of the album like nobody wanted to rap on those but i loved all those beats and i was like this is part of the project these are this is the this is the set list this is this is going on the album one way or another and and i also at a certain point i was like i don't want to spend any more money on features for this album mm-hmm. it's like you know like, like, and also sometimes like 
if you listen to like a beat long enough, like as an instrumental, somebody can hop on it and ruin it for you. You know what I mean? You can, you can be like, oh man, like, like, like the title track blessings, that beat blessing season. Like I love that beat. And I was, I was actually even worried. Like, oh, I just, I hope somebody doesn't like, if somebody picks this, I hope they do it justice and then nobody picked right. it. But I was like, you know what? Like, I could just listen to this like all day without like anyone rapping on it. And it just worked out that way. I mean, I I liked how the album turned out. I just felt like I wasn't trying to force it for the sake of having to have a rapper on every song. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, yeah, all the stuff. Oh, we have to talk Chris Crack. Sure. Uh, yeah. Because Chris Crack, like I, I know people who have talked to. I've said they've said, twenty eighteen was the real Chris Crack year or whatever. Like they, he's, he's done so much, um, in the span of time, that and had so many different runs of different kinds of albums, um, but this run that he's on feels very special. Uh, the run he's on here with John Wizard Records, mm-hmm. um. Well, I feel like it. Like I honestly feel like it's all one run because I've been there since 2018, either working with him or putting his albums out. Because I think the first one I put out was either at the very end of 2018 or the very beginning of 2019. And the first song we ever did, I produced for him in 2018, and I was on the the 2018 album the thanks uncle trill that was on dope media i feel like it's all been one run 2018 he definitely like like he was pretty flawless in 2018 i think there's like five or six projects from that year that were just all fucking perfect you know what i mean amazing um but it's like he doesn't miss you know what i mean like all of his shit's good like you know what I mean? Some projects I might like more than the others, but I like them all, and I just feel like he's 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 a one of a kind. He's he's a he's a one of one. He's not there's nobody else in the game right now like him, and I just love it. You know what I mean? Like he's like a culmination of like everything that I like about a lot of different artists that I grew up on. So it's really just to me, it's like he's my favorite. So it's like. The fact that I'm lucky enough to actually put out all these albums by my favorite rapper, like, I feel like I've really lucked out. Um, and even being able to produce and work for him, work with him has been great because I just feel like some of the tracks we've done have just been amazing. Um, it's funny, the first one we did that took forever to come out was that, um, oh, what is it called? Jail Pose with Gangsters, the one with, he ended yes. up getting home streets on it way later, but we did that in the summer of 2018, and it just, like, like, it kind of just, like, he, like, I don't know if it was originally supposed to just be for me or what, but, like, it just kind of sat on the shelf for, like, a couple of years, and then he got Rome Streets on it, and it was gonna be on, um, on his Fool's Gold album debut, but they couldn't clear the sample, because it was a pretty famous sample, and, um, I wouldn't say famous sample, but it was on a famous label. And um, so he just ended up putting it on a, a different album or whatever. But um, oh, that song just amazing. And it was really cool that he got Rome Streets on it too, because of just how much I had worked with Rome Streets as well. Like, so, I mean, he's, he's just, like I said, he's a one of one. Like the guy is just his... <laughs> 
he's a character you know what i mean like he's a special character like his swagger his flavor like the way he approaches the whole shit is unique like his from the way he does songs the short songs the like crazy album titles like the weird audio bites and clips and just his swagger and his personality he's <laughs> he's that guy you know what i mean like he's he's entertaining he's an entertainer you know what i mean no and, and, and there's an aspect there's like a stylistically this is a weird comparison but it feels there's like a bruce lee aspect to it of like <laughs> bruce lee was like i studied every martial arts form so now i do whatever the fight needs you know i'll switch into well, whatever style i need so chris crack there'll be a minute 44 uh, second song he'll wrap his ass off for a minute and then the end will be an amazing hook there's yeah. a the last you know 20 seconds he's like just killing an amazing hook that could have been like, this could have been a four minute song with this hook and they but he's like whatever or it could be a minute 44 song where he's just singing crazy shit yeah and then the next song he's just rapping his ass off you know like I can't remember which one it was, but he was like, this one, I was listening to a ton of Rock Marciano, so I was just going off. You know? uh, he just kind of goes where he goes with all these skills that he's built over the years and kind of, it, it, it's a free-form world in some way, right? Yeah, and I feel like he's one of those guys who doesn't, like, really follow the rules of, like, any constraints or any, like, structure or anything. Like, he does his own thing, you know? It's like, he doesn't care, like, about the, the traditional song structures, and I like that, you know what I mean? Like, songs don't always have to be three and a half minutes with, like, two verses and two hooks or Oops. whatever, you know what I mean? So it's like, he, it's just like... You know, like sometimes if he's got one verse, like he's got one verse, you know what I mean? Like sometimes that's all it is. And one of my favorite projects is, is that one called Just Give Me a Minute, where like every song, he just needs one minute, you know what I mean? To kill it, you know what I mean? And um, it's dope, man. I, it's a breath, breath of fresh air to me because that way a lot of times too, like songs don't get repetitive, like, you know what I mean? Like, and if you do really like the song, just bring it back. You know what I mean? Like, there's, I remember there's this one song he had that's just like, I think it was called Gunpowder in My Watch Band or something. And it was like 45 seconds. And I must have just put that on for like 20 minutes one time, just like this song. Is the <laughs> yep. 45 seconds ever. <laughs> so. I think my run, I don't, I don't think I have a favorite album, but I think that that combination of washed rappers to haters forget. Uh, they were fans first yeah that transition is my jam because wash rappers i was like he's really singing his ass off on this you know yeah uh, and then he haters forget their fans first he was just like there were lots of standout lines on that killer like points made you know yeah. um that was really dope and i was like wow this is this combination of these is incredible to have back to back he's complex he's got a complex personality like he'll like like within a song he'll say a lot of different like stuff like like some he'll make like you said he'll make some good points on like social issues he'll also like do some self self-depreciating rhymes or like he's never embarrassed to like do anything say anything you know what i mean he's very like open 
and honest and he's click quick-witted you know what i mean he's very well-rounded as an artist and that's what i like about him like he's not just you can't put him in any box like he's this type of or he's this type you know what i mean like like he does remind me kind of of almost like andre 3000 but like with the attitude of pimp c but also like (laughs) cool keith and a little bit of cameron mixed in because he's got like these personality swings of just like he'll be fucking cold-blooded as hell on a track and then he'll be super honest and like peaceful on another track you know what i mean like he's he's got like a real real edge to him at times you know and you know wow so it's almost like if outcast was was two-face you know (laughs) (laughs) exactly like he's but his voice is unique too like his voice almost reminds me of like a little boozy or something he's got like a crazy voice and like he can rap down south flow too like sometimes he'll be on some like texas flows you know what i mean like he's 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 special man and it's 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 fun working with him and just being the label the go-to label we've built that relationship and that trust where like like unless he's already got like a deal in place, like where it would like fool's gold, that was like a something kind of out of the blue that was a big deal. So like, I wasn't tripping like, yeah, do your thing. Right. You put out so many albums. Yeah, put up, put out with them. But like nine times out of 10, it's just like, I don't even got to say anything. He just knows that I'm down to put the album out. You know what I mean? And we've kind of just helped because he's got a big like streaming fan base. Like I think like a lot of his fans kind of are younger and from the streaming era but i've really helped him develop the the vinyl collectors the people that buy the physicals like i've helped them to de- de- develop that side of the game because he's good with the uh with the internet stuff as far as the streaming yep. and his numbers up and making stuff that people want to stream like religiously but i've helped him on the physical aspect of being like okay like we're going to package this like this we're going to put it out and i'll come up with you know sometimes like the bo- bonus swag items like i came up with the with the bar of soap idea for the, the bar of soap <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not i don't want to brag or nothing but i thought it was a pretty genius idea you know what i mean rapper's like, bar of soap amazing amazing <laughs> yeah. uh you can't beat that i mean that's so that that was, what was I mean, gonna... not only is it a cool item, but it just perfectly uh it perfectly matches the uh the album, you know what I mean? Like oh, no. here you go, wash wrapper, have a bar of soap, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Clean yourself up, you know I mean? Bar, yeah. I mean it's <laughs> a so to to the question I guess we'd be interested to have is if when you because you receive these projects before anybody else, right? Um, no, not really. No, no, because he drops most of them digitally, like without even like telling me a lot of times. And then I'll just be like, a lot of times I'll have to put the vinyl out like months later because like he's dropping so many projects, I can't keep up. So I'm just like doing one at a time. And now with the vinyl turnaround, waiting the uh, six months. Um, But actually here, I got a little little surprise for you guys. Nobody's seen these yet. I haven't even shown these to Chris yet no sample snitching tapes have arrived is that yeah oh that cover yeah dude he's got the covers man oh that's the lovely look at that sleek the yellow translucent 
Also got the CDs. Oh, that. <laughs> that's right. We're doing that's uh right. that's the campaign, the no sample snitching campaign. You're right. I mean, I'm doing yeah. like some stickers, some pins, I might do some t-shirts for that. So that's, that's coming awesome. soon. That's probably that's coming good. later this month or the beginning of March. So that's great. So I was gonna ask what were that what Chris Crack projects did you hear that were that were the most shocking to you of like wow this is another level like he's really hit another level well I still think that fucking I don't know I I think I think like a lot of the 2018 stuff really was like I mean he's still staying at that level but like those were kind of like the, the eye openers because I mean I first heard him through Vic Spencer but then when I heard his solo projects, I was like, wow, okay, like this guy's doing his own thing. Like this is, this is special. And I instantly, I had already developed a, a friendship with him just because I'd send him beats and he was receptive and wanted to record on them. And then, you know, thanks Uncle Trill. That was just like, wow, like this is a big deal. Great work. And then just give me a minute, like just give me a minute for some reason it's still my favorite. Like, I don't know, there's some real flavorful, like he's rocking on some like R&B samples on that. And it's just like, there's even this one track where it's just, I think he's just letting Cutta sing, like Cutta sings this one, like for like a minute, it's just like Cutta singing a hook, like on yep. a repeat, like, it's just like, but it's all like, he has moments like where it would be like, you know, like he'll have like he always has standouts on each album where they'll just be oh, like yeah. a track where you just have to put it on. like I love that about him. Like you can find a track that you could just put on repeat for half an hour, you know, I mean hour, like and just ride around to that one song just like stuck on your in your head. Like a lot of artists don't have that, you know what I mean? Don't have that like this is the the song, you know what I mean? Like yeah, making moments, right? Yeah. It's about making moments. And I but my 2018 pick, by the way, is being woke ain't fun. Yeah, uh, that was great. I think the first one I put out was uh, on CD and tape. It wasn't being woke ain't fun. It was the other one. This will all make sense later. That was my first thing that I put out by him, and I really liked that one too. That was really good. Like that. That I think that was the August August Fanon one, and so was being woke ain't fun. Both of those, mm -hmm. I think, were produced by him. And that was kind of like right at the beginning when I was first kind of, you know, I think all of us like were kind of like first discovering him. And then obviously he has older stuff from like before then. He has stuff like from obviously before 2018, you know what I mean? That was dope. But I think that's when a lot of people started to find out about him. Yeah, I think I, I thought of him as uh, an associate of tree, right? Mm -hmm. Tree was my big thing mm -hmm. back in 2017, 2016. Tree was Tree was the shit, mm -hmm. um, and that's really where I first heard Vic and Chris was mm -hmm. was from Tree. Um, See, I wasn't up on Tree. I didn't hear Tree until I heard Chris. But from no, Vic, I heard Chris. Not a lot of guys that sound like Chris Crack or sing on tracks or anything like it's not a lot of rappers period that actually sound good when they sing so just Chris Crack being that versatile is is you know it's different you know what I mean so he's yep. carved his own lane you know what I mean and very few people I, I think you have to do that it's not even his own lane he's kind of carved his own fucking world you know what I mean whereas yep. like because and it's 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 harder to it's harder to do that like it's harder to 
kind of carve your own fucking whole little world than just to like fit into a lane because the lane's already been paved you know what i mean like you're over here trying to fucking build build something like or, and build it from the ground up you know what i mean so right yeah yeah no if you, if you you're writing a crime book set in new york we get it but you're like yeah. creating a land called narnia that we've never heard of before yeah. <laughs> other shit, you know? <laughs> other shit. Exactly, um, man. It's it, it can be tough, you know what I mean? So it's like it's but that's what I'm into, you know what I mean? I, I'm not I'm not trying to uh I'm not interested in doing like fucking shit that everybody else is doing. So that's why I think Chris Crack and me working together makes sense because he's he's not trying to fucking fit in either. He's trying to do his own thing, trying to be original. So yeah, I mean Chris Kraft, you know, had that incredible run, like not just 2018, but like 2020, right? Like white people love algorithms, which is still amazing. Wash rappers, <laughs> good cops don't exist, like crazy albums. And I honestly had trouble placing him in the MVP conversation for that year because I was like, how do you compare what Chris Crack does to what anybody else does? Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem fair. <laughs> it, it, it isn't because he'll drop like five albums a year and they'll all be good. You know what I mean? And it's just like sometimes like you got other rappers, like they start dropping that many albums in one year and they all sound the same. And you're just like, you don't even really want to hear them anymore. Like it's right. hard to, it's hard to be prolific and still quality and be interesting you know and i think that's a skill like because each of each of his albums like it's not that they're so different from one another but within the album not all the songs sound the same like from song to song it's like an all over the place and it's like that on most of his albums so it's just it, it stays refreshing it stays original and and you share that spirit right going from yeah. all these from these different sounds production wise uh trying to you know yeah, there's a sense of just never wanting to be bored, uh, mm -hmm. but that nothing is practice, right? You're like, this is the real shit. This is the game, and when, what we do is going to be dope, like whatever yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so I appreciate that. The um, yeah, no, it's it's great. Okay, and do you have any final thoughts on your your adventures listening to? Uh, no man, I, I I just I really I said I really appreciate the fact that you're you know the pendulum swinging to the right and you're gonna try to stay in the left, like keep it keep it in the left. And I, I pre I appreciate people and labels that are just doing their own thing uh and who value quality uh over just just producing just making albums they 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 want they not only do they just want they not only do they want to make albums but they want to make great albums and they want to produce great product and i i appreciate that because that's very rare nowadays i think yeah no it, it's yeah. I, I i would say to to build on your point k that authorship is not just for the writer right the executive mm. has authorship as well right so the same way, you know, if you curate a journalistic site or a blog, you have authorship. You have an editorial voice, right? You, Chong has, has a, his label has a voice, right? It has a very specific 
voice and uh that's mm-hmm. that's his authorship designing where he wants to be uh, and so i'd never heard of nate barksdale but i saw how excited you were for it and i was like i'm right i'm gonna check this out yeah uh, so that's you know the trust you can have when the authorship is is at a high level absolutely i appreciate that guys i appreciate that that's what i'm trying to do you know what I mean? trying exactly what you guys said is what i'm trying to do and and it's it's fun and it's challenging and i'm hoping to be able to do more um more of my own production and beats because you guys are mentioning how you felt like there was that growth and i and i want to keep working on it because a lot of times like especially when i did the infinity stones i think a lot of people just thought like they wanted to kind of label me as like a DJ Khaled type. Like, what's he doing? He's not doing anything. Why is his name on the cover? Like, and it's like, it takes a lot to actually do a lot of that executive producing thing. Like he, these projects don't magically just come together on their own. You know what I mean? You, it takes right. a lot of work, but at the same time, like sometimes I find like I put so much energy into promoting and building up some of these artists. Once they get to that level, when they're beyond me, it's like, see you later you know what i mean and it's the you know it's kind of thankless i've helped build a career helped bring notoriety to an artist and then i'm just kind of get left in the dust so i definitely want to focus more on investing in myself and putting out because i got music you know like i got music in me you know it needs to come out and needs to be heard by the people so it's you know hell yeah no the the artist i was just texting mozilla today about like the, you know, we, we text about like, man, so I texted Zilla today and was like, if I could have Black Thought work with any underground producer, who would it be? We just start texting. So, and we we're talking about, I'm like, man, you know who I would love to be on, on Chong's label? I was like, Rich Jones from Chicago. I need to listen to Rich Jones because I've seen, I've seen him on, on Twitter and I've seen him... Yeah. He's, he's kind of friends with some of the people that I'm down with. And so I need to dive into his music. I think I've heard like verses here and there, but I haven't really like dove into one of his albums. So I definitely got to check him out. Yep. Uh, guest of the show. Wonderful guest of the show. Uh, but he was, so he's got an EP with Killer Kane called Blue Beach. That is, is uh, you can check sure. that out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll check that. I'll check that. Yeah. Well, somebody has suggested like a bunch of these names too for me to put out. And it's just, it's so difficult because like, it just comes down to the, like, will people buy it? You know what I mean? Like, totally. Understood. Like, no matter how I market it or what album cover I, I the art direction, it doesn't mean that people are going to buy it. Like, they could have huge followers and they might not buy it. It could be a fucking an incredible album and they might just not buy it. And I, and I don't want to single anybody out on my label because I've taken a lot of risks and I've taken a lot of losses. But, you know, it, sometimes it could look like it's going to be a sure thing. And it's just a flop and, and it's, it's only a flop financially a lot of times. Cause I'm always like proud of putting out the albums that I put out. Like, it doesn't matter. Like right. obviously from a business standpoint, it can be frustrating cause you're just like, damn, like got money tied up in this project. It's not right. selling. Right. And so like, I'm getting to that point now where, you know, I got to be a little bit more careful about what I put out. Like as, as much as I want to just put out what I want to put out, you still have to make sure that it's going to be something that sells. So it's like, 
there's so many artists out there that I'd love to just be like, oh, I'll put them out and them out and them out. And then it's like, I have to really be calculated with the risks. Like I've got to really make sure that it's going to sell. And I've got to like find people that, you know, are making something that the people want to buy that I also like. So it's, it's a tough balance. And I, and I think last year, I don't know if it was just my label or if I think there's a lot of the industry that the vinyl sales, especially in the second half of the year started to taper off a bit. Like things weren't quite as um, popping. So it's like, you got to even be more sure that you're going to make something. It's tough. The competition has gotten this, the stakes have risen in the vinyl game. Like, you know what I mean? Like fans only have so much money and they've got to choose what they want to buy. You know what I mean? You got Alchemist putting out shit like constantly. I mean, Griselda, you know what I mean? You're competing with fucking Griselda and, and Alchemist. Even if you're making stuff that sounds different, you're still making hip hop limited edition underground vinyl. So it's like, you're competing against the big dogs and like, they're a big market share so it can be tough you know like it's tough no this there's there's just it we're we're in a really important era of of incredibly interesting voices right and, and people doing incredible things so yeah you're you're competing with copenhagen crates and backwood studios and you know, uh, yeah, tough, tough gong and wrapped a winkle and dope, and you know, and, and it goes on and on. There's so many, there's new ones popping up all the time. Like, I, I lost, um, I lost a bidding wars with um, those guys who started putting out the uh, the, the ransom records. You know, what I mean, I can't even remember what their name is, but like, oh, it's yeah. one of those things where, like, I'm, I'm, you know, it's like. I only have so much money and the big dogs, or even, even if they're not big dogs, if they have deep pockets, you can get into the game real quick and you can throw some money around. And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? People see that there's money to be made. It gets competitive really quickly from a financial standpoint. So it's tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, keep doing it. I, I think one of the things you said that was really interesting was, you know, putting out curious, putting out concrete jungle, by the way, seeing ghosts, amazing, a great song. Um, and I think you, you're right. People were like, curious. Is this curious? Like I mentioned this album to gang who runs PTP records. It was on our mid, our year end show. And he was like, curious, George. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, a surprise. But once you press play on track one, you can hear how focused he is. You can hear how, how, you can hear that this is going to be interesting this is going to be good um, and i think so the album like with that particular album it's one of those ones where it's like people are slowly kind of finding out about it where they're like you know a lot of people like you said like they don't even think it's the same curious you know what i mean and then once they find out and they're like oh and then they listen to it and they're like oh like all right like you know it's you know yeah. it's just it's one of those things you know it takes time to uh to build up like and get people to hear the project sometimes people only want to listen to like the the most the three most popular albums that came out that week because there's so much coming out and you if you get missed that week or that that month then you know like all of a sudden you know what i mean like yeah. you're forgotten you know what i mean if because it's, it's, it's just the way the game's built right you, so so yeah we say, uh, I don't have any other concluding thoughts. Those are my concluding thoughts. 
shift to recommendation corner. Hey, Diggy. Uh, where yeah. I will tell you, I have listened to four. Well, this is Wednesday. It's Wednesday. I've listened <laughs> to four Raheem Supreme albums in three days. I, I am going nuts listening to Raheem Supreme. Absolutely love it. Um, and so this all starts December 17th, which with Obliv and Raheem Supreme's Black Keys with Melodies, uh, which is superb. Um, and really kind of, because Obliv to me was always like, I don't know, the texture was always something different. And I always had to figure, uh, and I think that album really for me was like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, and so that, so I would listening to spirit medicine was different after because I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, but lock, and so Black Keys with Melodies got me digging into the back catalog. And boy, Raheem Supreme is just because there's something about the flow that is it's kind of a slinky flow that bunches up and, and separates out again. And I was like, this is so unique, but I've heard it. Um, and I, it reminds me of Cool Keith in the, the sex style era Cool Keith. Mm. Uh, that there's, there's that sense of like, this is smooth shit, but it's not said in a smooth way. It's, it's, it, there's a gruffness to it. Um, so I'm going to recommend the Pretty Prada Poppy. Pretty Prada Poppy. You want, nope. Can I jump in for one second? You want to know what's crazy? Raheem Supreme got at me, and he wanted me to put out Black Keys. Uh, what was it called? Black Keys? With Melodies, yeah. With Melodies. He wanted me to put that one out because oh. he knew I was down with Obliv. And, I, I, I you know, I, I kind of regret saying no, but I had to at the time just because I had so much on my plate, and I was just wasn't yeah. sure, like, what I wanted to do. Um, I was kind of at this moment where I was like, I think I told him, like, I'm only doing – chong wizard like produced albums from now on but since then i've kind of changed my mind i still like putting out artists other artists but that was just a few months ago like october or november or something when he got i mean i kind of regret it because it's a dope album i listened to it one time Absolutely. and i was like damn it's a dope album i, I maybe i should have put that out so shout out to obliv and raheem supreme I, I regret not putting that album out but it's funny you liked that one because it was very close to being a chong wizard record uh release so the that's awesome. The other one I would say is, um, and I'm very cheap by nature, right? So I stared at this for a long time. But John ja Monty and Sadu Gold uh, put out an album called The Black Mobius. And it's only on Bandcamp. And it's $30 for the digital download. Um, and I just stared at it. But then I was like, look, people pay you monthly subscriptions to know this shit. They don't pay you to buy cool hats. They pay you. <laughs> so I was like, fuck it. You know, and so I bought it and oh my God, John Monte special. Uh, this is 10 songs. It's, it, you know, I wasn't as in love with the navy blue combination for John Monte. I like, John Monte's exciting. And I, I like that movement, the movement he puts into songs interesting titles the unsuspected lines 
and Sadu Go gets all of that out of him. This is my kind of John Monte album. Um, it's it's marvelous, and yeah, pick it up. You can trust me. But those guys are like Raheem Supreme, John Monte. They're the only people that I would mention, like in the Chris Crack world, right? Like because so much flavor so much polish interesting song titles and concepts um you know raheem certainly sings a bit um i think yeah you know it's it's post post crack era you know good shit so yeah that's what i'm at okay diggy which uh give him a jodeci album to, to, to listen to. Uh-huh. No, I I recently discovered. Uh, so I wanted to shout. So t- I believe Monday was Jay Dilla's birthday. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so this last weekend I purchased the uh, album Amplified by Q Tip. That's uh, weird. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so it's the one that has uh, vibrant breathing, breathing stretch. I'm sorry. Is it? Breathe and stretch for real. Uh, breathe and stretch, vibrant thing, and then uh, one of the songs that I, I like I discovered on Saturday night and it's just blowing my mind since uh, is the ride uh, that he produced. So that's that would be my recommendation. Uh, Amplified by Q Tip, uh, produced by Jay Dilla. Yeah, that album was just straight up ahead of its time. Like it was just at at the time it came out. I remember everyone thinking it was really weird. Uh, and like I, I think if you go back to it, it's it's really interesting. Oh, sure. Yeah, I need to revisit that one. It was weird at the time, but that the ride song or whatever was always an anthem. Like I had loved that like forever. That was just like an all time great that the ride song. So yeah, I mean, it, it's just that for me, it's like the dedication, the the craft, uh, the tension, the detail, like that. You know that that's that's sorely missed. In today's music climate you know it's great so i appreciate it uh yeah there's a lot of there's a yeah recommend you, you want you want me to recommend some stuff do it, do it. yeah do it. telly mclean it's a new producer fucking the beat scene it's got a new beat tape out trying to remember the name of the album i can't even produce pronounce it i think it has something to do with peyote or something like some <laughs> tricky ass name but like he's a dope dope up-and-coming producer i I wanted to put that out on my label but again i was just too busy at the time probably put something up by him eventually um definitely telly mclean you guys gotta check that beat tape um just dropped like i think today or yesterday um and um this other producer i'm putting out um i'm putting it out on cassette but the album's been out for a minute it's a beat tape by producer chords and jock Oh, okay. Boards and Jock. He's uh he's really dope. Uh, I think he's from like Little Rock, Arkansas or something, but he's he's a dope producer. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Obliv um in that type of feel. And uh the album's called Moments and I'm putting that out on cassette um soon whenever the cassettes arrive, we'll drop it. So check those guys out. There's so many just like producers in, in the beat scene right now. I'm just loving it. There's so many talented cats. It feels like like I kind of wanted to even touch on the beat scene. I'll just do it really quick, is but I feel like 
the beat scene right now reminds me of like the graffiti scene back in the day where like these guys like aren't even really like trying to make money you know what i mean they're just like making beats like every day and like sharing them with the community like the beat scene community it's all like it's like friendly creative competition like you're trying to get up and it's like doing the beat videos on the internet like oh here's my new beat of the day or of the week and it's just like it's like um it's a knit community and it's interesting because a lot of them don't care about like the the projects or like putting shit out it's more just the beat videos of like i made this little beat check the video of me making the beat you know what i mean and like like shout out to lightfoot lightfoot like really put me on to a lot of these guys and he's like the master of it like he literally is such a a workhorse he'll wake up like i think every morning at like five or six in the morning make a beat then make the video of the beat no matter how much he likes the beat he made he'll make the video of him making the beat and like edit it into a funky way and just put it out every single day like at least i think five days a week sometimes he takes breaks but like he's just like and it's just like the the skill and, and the dedication that guy is is amazing um i put out that terra incognita album by him last year and i thought it yes. was like one of the best beat tapes that dropped in the, in the year i still like think that he's just like an un, undiscovered talent like people know about him but i feel like he's got uh he's got a bright future ahead of him yeah no and i think the the weird part is the opposite of your point is also true the beat scene is awesome because there's also people who are like curating beat tape journeys yeah. like on their and putting out on Bandcamp, and I, I got a chance to sit with brain orchestra which is why this is yeah. and i told him i said my favorite album of yours uh was message to you i love message to you. uh and he said that was a real important step up where he was able to make a cohesive journey experience and that helped him, you know, put together his album, right? So <laughs> people are really, yeah, they're doing it quick bite-sized things or they're experimenting with themes and oh, yeah. things and, and, and doing there's a lot of, there's a lot of different vibes going on in there for sure. Did, did Brain Orchestra tell you about the uh, project he's coming with me? I don't think he did. did. That I curated? he just sent me like endless beat packs and I picked all the beats that I liked out of it. And then like, I told him like, these are the ones that I want for the beat tape that I'm going to put out. And, and I'll take it a step further. It's breaking news. I'm doing this thing. It's a beat tape box set. I'm picking five illest producers and I'm getting them each to do a, a beat tape for me. That's and amazing. I'm packaging it into a box set. I'm doing all the art curation um, PQ's doing the art, but I'm doing the like direction, and it's the packaging is going to be nuts. It's going to be a collector's item. That's that's in the works. It's 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 coming soon. You know, I'd say at some point, late spring, maybe early summer, depends on how fast we get things together. But uh, I love that man. That's so. beautiful, man. That's uh, something that just isn't done, um, and it shows the spirit of the community where you're able to reach and appreciate the other people. Uh, that's awesome yeah, i wanted to put something together where i was like how can i make this a, a, a moment like a big like an event you know what i mean instead of just like another beat tape so the beat tape box set <clears throat> it's called the tape box um yeah that's you awesome have to, you'll have to wait for to find out who else is on but brain orchestra is one of the five Ooh, and that's what 
when when I started doing bumper music for the podcast space, I wanted to do like one producer for a while, a month or two months, so that you could really kind of feel that producer's, you know, vibe. And so NCL Tim was the first one that I'm doing. But I, I can't wait to I've got so many options as to who I can reach out to. Sure. Uh, so many awesome producers out. It's crazy. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Yeah, thank you so much. For Thanks, being here. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. It was a good okay. chat. I appreciate you even taking time to do that deep dive into my catalog and my label. And and you know, it's good because I don't sometimes you don't get to sit there and talk to people about your albums. Like you'll get like a, a Twitter props, like you know what I mean? Like or a fire <laughs> emoji, and that's yeah, and yeah, interpret the fire emoji is like it's good, but like you know, it's good to get your guys' thoughts and, and to know that you're enjoying the products, you know what I mean? It's easy, it's easy man. Follow it on TikTok, Free Music Empire on TikTok. <laughs> I can do bite size too.